You're listening to Alumni Allowed, a new podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career and the advice they would give current students. This series is sponsored by the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development at the Graduate Center. Kara Alaimo is an assistant professor of public relations in the Department of Journalism, Media Studies, and Public Relations at Hofstra University. She is the author of the newly released book, Pitch, Tweet, or Engage on the Street, How to Practice Global Public Relations and Strategic Communication. Kara earned her PhD in political science at the Graduate Center. Prior to taking her academic position, she worked in executive-level communications for the United Nations and the United States government. In this podcast, she talks about her transition from politics to academia, how her experience in international affairs has helped prepare her for the rigors of the tenure track and why being able to engage and promote her work with audiences outside of academia yields unexpected rewards. Could you tell me your name and what do you do for a living? Sure, I'm Kara Alimo, Assistant Professor of Public Relations at Hofstra University. How did you come to do the work that you're currently in? My background is as a political communicator. So I started my career working in the Bloomberg administration and I was a spokesperson for the city of New York for almost five years. During that time, I got my first master's degree at the City University of New York in urban affairs. Uh, but I knew that I ultimately wanted to work on global issues. And so after that, I moved to the United Nations and I was global media coordinator for the UN Millennium Campaign, which promoted the Millennium Development Goals, which were the world's plan for ending global poverty at that time. And after that, I went to work for Pete Peterson uh, at his newly formed foundation, the Peter G. Peterson Foundation. I was his first press secretary. From there, I was appointed by President Obama in 2011 as spokesperson for international affairs in the U.S. Treasury Department. So my portfolio was global economic diplomacy initiatives. I spent about a year and a half practically living on airplanes. And in that capacity, I was also the media advisor to Jim Yong Kim after he was appointed by President Obama to be the U.S. nominee to lead the World Bank. So we traveled around the world to build support for his candidacy. Jim was elected to be president of the World Bank. He's the current president. After that, I returned to the United Nations as head of communications for the high-level panel on the post-2015 development agenda, which was a group of heads of state and other eminent thinkers convened by the Secretary General to write the world's next plan for ending poverty. By that point, I was just finishing up my PhD at the City University of New York. I did my second master's and my PhD in political science. And so I ended up teaching on a non-tenure track for a year at St. John's University while I was working on my dissertation. And then the year that I finished my dissertation, a position opened up at Hofstra University, which is my current role as an assistant professor there and also as the associate chair. That's an incredible background, certainly also not just academic, but as you said, on the on the practical side. These were policy and political initiatives broadly across the board, and your area in those was more on the communications, public relations side of that. Exactly, yes. Yes, interesting. And you were doing your PhD at the same time as 
you were taking on these roles? I was. I did three graduate degrees while working full time. Growing up, my mother used to say that if you need something done, you should give it to a busy person. <laughs> I just absolutely had no time to procrastinate. I think back to Jim Kim's campaign for the World Bank presidency. And during that last week of the campaign, I did not sleep in a bed for an entire week. We would sort of rest on planes and we would travel to a country, meet the head of state, do a media interview and get back on a plane to the next country. Even that week, I was reading books on airplanes instead of sleeping to get ready for my comprehensive exam. You just sort of steal time wherever you can. Yeah, it was a really crazy time. And now uh, it makes everything else seem a lot easier in life. Well, you talked about your academic background and you had three graduate degrees. Can you talk a little more about that? What sort of led you along the path to wanting to continue your studies? I always knew that I ultimately wanted to be a professor. So that was one of the key drivers of my decision to pursue my graduate degrees. But in addition to that, I now teach communication and I always tell my students that what worked for me was not only being an excellent communicator in my career, but also being a policy expert and actually understanding the nuance of the topics that I was communicating on. And I think that that's what made me rare. So when I went to work in the Obama administration, I think part of the reason why I was an attractive candidate was because not only did I know how to communicate, I knew how the global economy worked. I knew how the G20 worked. I knew how the World Bank worked from all of my work at the UN. And so I think that's what gave me a huge advantage in my career. I was one of very few spokespeople who hadn't worked on the Obama campaigns. Um, so I was a political appointee, but truly hired for, for my skills and competence, which felt good. So you have that ability to dig into the issues, which is rare, it seems like, in, in communications. I think very rare, yes, unfortunately. Well, you're currently an academic, so that's familiar to many of our listeners who aspire to be in academic roles. Could you talk about what's a typical day in the office like? There's no typical day as a professor, which is actually one of the things I like most about being a professor. When I was at the Graduate Center, one of my professors said to me that being a professor is like being an entrepreneur without the risk. And that's something that I absolutely love. So in terms of research, which takes up a lot of my time, it's pretty cool that you can dip into an area that interests you, work on a research project, and then move on to something entirely different. So two summers ago, I decided I was going to study how Bordeaux wines are promoted in China. And I got a fellowship and went to the south of France for a month. It wasn't too terrible. So um, a typical day definitely involved some research. I'm now at this stage where, so my book was just published published. Um, the book is called Pitch, Tweet, or Engage on the Street, How to Practice Global Public Relations and Strategic Communication. And I spend a lot of time these days promoting the book. So the book breaks the world down into 10 different cultural clusters and explains best communication practices in each of them. And it's based on the results of my interviews with senior communicators in 31 countries. So if you asked me about a typical day, you know, two summers ago, it was spending 16 hours at my dining room table writing this book. <laughs> but now that the book is out, I've been trying to speak to a broad array of audiences, so students, but also practitioners. Mm -hmm. I delivered the keynote speech at the Public Relations Society of America conference on Tuesday. I'm doing a couple of upcoming events for the International Association of Business Communicators. So a lot of my time is spent sort of organizing these speaking engagements or actually doing them and doing these kinds of book talks, whether it's the library or Columbia University or talking to groups of practitioners. Mm -hmm. So that keeps me quite busy. And as part of that, I've been writing columns about the book for, you know, everywhere from the New York Times to communication trade publications. Wow. And then, of course, I teach. So 
So my load is three classes a semester at Hofstra, mostly graduate classes. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of being a professor is service. So I am currently the associate chair of my department, and I spend a lot of time working on different committees. Um, One of the big committees I'm on is the Internationalization Task Force, which is working to expand Hofstra's engagement with the rest of the world. I also serve on the advisory board of the Calico Center for the study of the presidency at Hofstra. So I've been incredibly involved in that. As you know, we hosted the presidential, the first presidential debate this year, and I worked on a lot of events surrounding that. And currently, as part of the Calico Center, I'm working on organizing a symposium on the role of social media in this presidential election. So we'll do that in February and look back on sort of the role that social media played in determining the outcome of the election. And then I serve on lots of other committees, but those are more boring and I think less interesting to your listeners. There's a wealth of uh, fascinating aspects that you just raised of of your work. But thinking more about uh, distilling this in ways that listeners could think also of things that might apply to their situation. A lot of what your activities are bridging academic and public or private sector aspects of communication. Yeah, I think that that also has given me a real advantage in my career, both as a professor and as a practitioner, to be able to sort of straddle both worlds, because I find that a lot of professors tend to be perhaps overly professorial and theoretical. And so I think it's been an advantage for me to be able to teach the practice of communication and public relations, as well as these kinds of theories. And I think that no matter what field you're in, it's worth getting experience as a practitioner in the field, as well as on the academic side, because it makes you so much more attractive on the job market. I served as a acting chair of my department last year and we did two job searches and I know firsthand how difficult, believe it or not, it is. Despite the fact that we have a tight labor market in academia, when you're on the hiring side, I actually found it was really difficult to find people who had both professional and academic experience in their fields. And so I think that that gives you a real advantage. And it also, I think, deepens your research because you know the kinds of questions to ask. You have the contacts to pull things off. Professionalization and being able to really speak to broader publics than just academic communities, that's something we're really keen to help students develop as their their capacity and their savvy for doing that. If you could distill down, what is it about your work that you find the most satisfying? For me, it's really cool to be able to make a difference in students' lives. I started teaching as an adjunct at St. John's University back in 2010, and I'm still in touch with students from that very first cohort that I taught. And I, in fact, interviewed some of my former students for my book. So it's cool to be in a position where you can help launch people's careers, shape the way that they think. And I'm quite passionate about public relations, but I think that what I bring to the classroom is perhaps a less typical experience. A lot of PR practitioners focus on the corporate side. How do you promote Coca-Cola or something like that? And I've always focused on political and advocacy public relations. So uh, I look at how you strategically communicate in order to achieve political or policy goals. And I think it's been a revelation to some of my students that you can do things that are not diabolical in public relations. <laughs> but I think that that's really important. And so I think it's cool to be at what I consider to be the forefront of research on this subject. Hmm. How do you achieve your policy goals through strategic communication? And it's been cool to change the way that my students think about these subjects and to help them launch their careers and get them interested in facets of the field that they perhaps didn't even know about when they 
you know, at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. So that's why I love what I do. That makes sense. Public relations and communications, in the best of cases, maybe you are just teaching people really how to see the world in a slightly different way. Yeah, one of the things that I found quite sad when I did the research for my book is that in many parts of the world, PR practitioners won't call themselves PR practitioners because it's such a dirty word. And I think that's really unfortunate. So I'm on a mission to change perceptions of my field. What do you find the most challenging or frustrating if there is something about academia? I think the hardest thing about working in academia is probably time management and the fact that you can't control the outcome of a lot of your efforts. And so first of all, I have found it to be an incredibly large workload if you want to really, really be successful as an academic. In my first two years at Hofstra, I published five articles in top academic journals, wrote a book, served as an acting chair for a semester, served as associate chair, was involved in tons of activities and taught overloads most semesters. I was working seven days a week. So I think you have to love what you do or this is going to work for you at all. The trick for me, at least, has been to get started super early in your tenure clock. I went sort of above and beyond and working seven days a week and sort of cranking out my research so that if I was rejected by a journal, there was so much time to submit to other journals. Yeah. And I think that that's been key to my success in terms of being on a good track to get tenure, but also sort of making the job more manageable is really sort of working ahead. And so I think that that's a good trick. And so I think that um, it makes sense to just overwork and, and front load things so front that load. you get your research out before you go up for a tenure. That sounds really smart advice. And you said how much work it is being in the early stages of an academic career. It also sounded like your previous work was, was a ton of work, what with flying everywhere on no sleep, but it's different kinds of work. So I'm so glad I had the experiences that I had in my 20s, whether it was living on airplanes when I worked in the Obama administration or some of the sort of more high pressure jobs that I had at the United Nations. I also think that being a professor, despite being incredibly you know, it's an incredible amount of work. I also think that it's nice to have some degree of control over your life. And so even though I certainly work far more than 40 hours a week, I also go to Zumba class at 9.30 in the morning many days. And I've read research which finds that, you know, one of the most destabilizing things is not having control over your life. So I think that it's really nice as a professor to be able to set your schedule and maybe you'll work a little bit harder on the weekend, but you can meet a friend for lunch. So, oh, just to clarify, you said one of the most beneficial things. So one of the most destabilizing things is to not have control over your life, yeah. which is certainly how I felt when when I worked in the Obama administration. So being a professor, even if you're working more than 40 hours a week, which you almost certainly will be, I find it really nice to be able to stop and have lunch with a friend in the middle of the day or to get to a gym class and then work later on the, you know, at night or on the weekends. And I think that that makes for a much healthier and more manageable life over the longer term. So my quality of life has drastically improved as a professor, despite how hard I'm working. Let's see, what do you miss about working in the, I wouldn't say private sector, you in politics. What do you miss about that? I miss seeing there when big things happen. Sometimes I read the cover of the New York Times and I think, oh gosh, what would it have been like in the room, in the Situation Room or in the you know Treasury War Room as this was going down? I still consult for the United Nations and for other organizations. And I actually think as a professor, that's something that's really important to do because it keeps me at the forefront of best practices in my field. And particularly in the field of communication, it's remarkable how quickly they change. So that's been really 
really positive for me as well. And I think that, again, you know, the flexibility of being a professor is that you can work on these kinds of projects, which I find to be really fulfilling personally and professionally. And how would you say that finishing your PhD has helped you in your career? You're in academia, so obviously it's required, I suppose. No, it's actually a good question because I work in a field where some professors don't have a PhD and come, you know, sort of to the profession from having been professional communicators. And I think that this gives you a huge leg up. So I've had so many colleagues who wanted to work full time as professors and are sort of still adjuncting because they don't have that PhD. And so I think that particularly sort of being on the younger side, you really want to have that insurance that you're fully qualified for your career over the longer term. I know a couple of people who've been, you know, complaining for 15 years to me that they can't get hired full time. And I keep thinking if you'd just gone and started your PhD, you would be a full time professor by now. Mm. So my philosophy has always been to sort of do a little bit every day. And it's sort of remarkable what you can achieve over the longer term. Yeah, that's great. What about the reverse? You were studying and working. Was it beneficial for people to know that you're on the academic side as well and you have this credential, these degrees? Did that play out also in places like the UN and government where people would look at you or treat you with a certain difference in that regard? You'd be surprised. I think actually sometimes having a PhD in the field can be considered a liability because the mark of a good communicator is being able to explain things really simply. And so there's the stereotype that professors are really wonky and theoretical and won't ever be able to communicate well. I think we do need to change that stereotype of our profession, and I'm certainly working on it. But even when I worked on the cover of my book, they didn't put PhD after my name on the book cover. And a very senior practitioner said to me recently, that's probably a good thing because it probably makes it more likely that practitioners will purchase the book. So it's interesting how this plays out. I mean, I certainly also think that the things I learned were incredibly valuable and helped me understand global affairs. And that was really useful in my career career, but you do come up against these stereotypes in the professional world. What specific skills and knowledge did you gain in grad school that helped you prepare for your current work? So I think partly because I was working full-time, I found grad school to be incredibly self-directed. No one ever sat me down and taught me how to write a journal article. No one prepared me for the comprehensive exams. I kind of studied on my own and passed them. And I think more than anything, the experience taught me how to take huge, huge, huge volumes of information and think about it and synthesize it and create meaning out of it. And I think that that and sort of the time management and go-getter skills that you learn are incredibly valuable skills for life. I actually think that that's kind of more valuable than some of the actual theory I now understand. And it was really interesting because after I finished my PhD, I used to be a voracious reader. After I finished my PhD, it was really hard for me to resume reading for pleasure because I take a book and I tear through it and I get the main points and I put it down. It took months and I'm finally in a book club and back in a place where I can sit down with a great work of fiction and just appreciate it and not time it and not try to get out of it quickly. But I also think that those skills, being able to analyze information and synthesize large volumes of information and talk to other fields is just an incredibly valuable life skill. Are there skills that you would recommend current GC students who are interested in your field, say communication, 
skills that they might hone, skills they might cultivate that might not necessarily be the first thing on their radar. Yeah, I think definitely think about your writing skills regardless of your field because one of the things I found is that it has been really good for me as an academic to be able to translate my research for ordinary audiences. So yes, I publish in academic journals. Yes, I wrote a book, but I've also written for the New York Times. I've written for the Atlantic. Um, I just submitted a piece to the Harvard Business Review. So I think that acquiring those skills can be really valuable and can give you a lot of influence. And, you know, I got more emails from people around the world from that New York Times article than I probably have from readers of the book. Um, And I took Peter Beinart's classes at the Grad Center, which I found to be helpful in that respect. I also think it's worth learning pedagogy, learning how to be a good professor, because that Mm -hmm. ultimately is what's going to get you tenure. And so although I wasn't able to do this myself, I think it's worth taking advantage of any of those sort of one credit or zero credit classes that are out there mm-hmm. on how to teach yeah. <laughs> because it's kind of remarkable that we become subject matter experts and never learn how to teach a class. I kind of taught myself and I've gotten quite good at it, but yeah. I think that, you know, sort of that training would be really useful. What do you now know that you wish you had known as a graduate student? I think that a lot of graduate students wait for things to happen. And I think that there's no, I think it's important to know that there's no one who's going to come around and teach you, here's how to write an article, here's how to submit an article, here's how to get a job. You just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. And I sought advice from my professors, from my peers, from the Career Center. Um, I read things online. But I think that it's worth really sort of grabbing your career by the handles right now and being rather aggressive. Start publishing now and the job market is so competitive. Start publishing now, start learning how to do a job talk, um, because this stuff doesn't kind of naturally happen. You have to be incredibly aggressive in terms of going out there and getting information and looking up grants and things like that. And this process doesn't kind of naturally unfold. You've really got to own it. That's all for this episode of the Alumni Allowed podcast, coming to you from the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development at the Graduate Center. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, or website for event announcements and updates. Also, be sure to stay tuned for more perspectives from alumni across fields who are working in academic and non-academic jobs. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, and you'll automatically be notified for each new episode. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.